Hallelujah. Say this with me, Jesus. I said, say this with me. Jesus is my healer. Amen. You believe that? Yes. Amen. Good. That's what we've been talking about for the past, I guess this is week number four. Okay? And, and now we're getting into the more practical stuff. I'm going to do a very quick review. Okay? Uh, because this is important. How many know this is important? How many, how, how many of you can't wait until you're in the emergency room to decide whether you believe that Jesus is the healer or not? Can't wait till then. Just like you, you can't wait till somebody's busting through the window in your house to go put an alarm system in. You get prepared. Amen? Amen. Faith prepares. I want you to get that. Faith prepares. If you claim that you're in faith, you claim that you have faith in God, then you should be preparing for the things that you believe in God for. Hallelujah. Is that better? All right, so I know to stay away from that corner. So we have learned up until this point that the scriptures show us 100% certain that it is God's will for us to experience healing. Amen? Amen. We, we understand that it is not a side doctrine. It is not something that's optional. It is included in every aspect of salvation. Okay, you remember, you remember what was Jesus' ministry made up of? Preaching, teaching, healing. Oh, you guys are got, you got off on it. Let's do it again. Ready? One, two, three. Preaching, teaching, healing. What does this signify? The laying on of hands, healing, okay? We're going to actually talk about that tonight. So, 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. So we see what we've been spending our Wednesday nights on for the past four weeks is causing our soul to prosper. Amen? Amen? It's not your spirit that needs to prosper. It is your soul that needs to prosper. Your spirit has already been perfected in Christ. Yes? Because you know very well, because you're all Bible school students here, you know that we are three-part in nature. Amen? We've been created in image and likeness of who exists in Tripart nature. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. So if we're created in his image and his likeness, then there should be something tripart about us. Yes? Yes. We are spirit. We possess a soul. And they live in a body. Okay? So when we're talking about prosperity of soul, uh, we're not talking about our spirit, man. We're talking about us being transformed, being renewed in our minds, uh, according to this topic that we're dealing with here in the topic of healing. Uh, we know that this is an important season for us to teach on healing. Amen? Because so many people's minds right now are preoccupied with health issues, either yourself or loved ones or neighbors or coworkers or whatever. I'm just going to do a very quick review, okay? Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing what? Doing what? Okay, so let, let's start over again here, okay? It's 7.15 for me, too. Not just you. I worked all day today, just like you, okay? So, repeat the yellow words with me right now. One, two, three, nice and loud. Who went about doing good and healing all who were pressed by who? Where does sickness and disease originate from? Okay, get that in your head. Does not come from God. God does not put sickness and disease on his people. Amen? We'll talk a little bit more about that. We are commissioned by God to bring salvation, forgiveness, healing to the world. Okay? Um, I don't need to review that. Okay, so we learned that it's God's plan to use the church to bring healing to every person that we can. Mark chapter 15, verse 15, he said to them, to the disciples... Now, these are some of the last words that Jesus spoke on the earth before he ascended into heaven. So we would agree that they're important words? Yes. Yes, okay. So he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, say that word please, signs. These signs will follow those who what? Believe. believe. In my name, they'll do what? Cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. We can say if they take up serpents. Uh, if they drink anything deadly, by no means will hurt them. 
Ready? One, two, three. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Who's going to recover? The sick. Okay, we got that. So we know that it's our responsibility, but it's also an act of love to those all around us. If we truly love people, we'll want to bring them all the benefits that Jesus died to purchase for us. Amen? Amen. Don't hold back on that because that love is already in you according to Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He's poured out. He's poured out. He's poured out. He didn't come in with an eyedropper. When God put his spirit in you, he filled you with his spirit. Some of you are not too sure. He, he, when, the, when the spirit of God came in you, when you said, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, he didn't just go a little eyedropper. He filled you. Amen? Amen. So he is also the spirit of love because God is love, right? Right? We talked about that extensively last weekend. So we also studied that sickness and disease came into the world through sin. We talked about that already. But here's one thing that I have not touched on yet, I don't believe. And before we get into more practical things tonight, I want to make sure that we cover this because I still think... All right, let me ask you, how many come from the Catholic background like I did? Don't be ashamed. Go ahead, raise your hand. We won't hold it against you. Okay, how many came from denominational background, some type of a Protestant denomination, something like that? Okay, so you were probably, probably not outright taught this, but it was insinuated that sometimes God uses these things to teach us stuff. Sickness, disease, setbacks, poverty, all that kind of stuff, because he's teaching you. Because the Bible's not enough. He's got to use sickness and disease. That is absolutely not true. Yet, if you've, been, uh, if you've been exposed to that type of blasphemy, I would encourage you, get that out of your system spiritually. Amen. Your God and my God is a good God. Amen. You listening to me? Besides, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's take some things into consideration, okay? The one thing we need to understand is that Jesus hates Not my Jesus. Not my Jesus wouldn't. No. No. Jesus hates. You heard me right. Jesus hates sickness and disease. And don't ever think for a moment that he uses it on his people. Now, I, I found a note. I was, I was reading the word yesterday morning. And uh, I opened up one of the Bibles that I have home. And I opened it up and, and, a, and a page fell out. Not a page of the Bible, but a little notebook paper fell out. Something that I had written down months ago. And I went, oh my God, this is the perfect timing for this one. And on this piece of paper I wrote, Jesus hates. He hates sickness and disease. He hates blindness because it stops a person from seeing the beauty of creation. And it stops a person from reading the word of God. And then you can go ahead and read Romans chapter 1. Because it talks about how the creation speaks of the majesty of God. He hates deafness because it prevents a person from hearing the word of God. In Romans 10, 17, faith comes how? Faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing the word of God. He hates that mute and dumb condition, whether it's a physical condition or a spirit, because it prevents a person from praising his creator and speaking the word. Amen? He hates these things. He hates paralysis because it robs a person of their freedom and their dignity. And God never robs us of our dignity. Never. He maintains our dignity. He hates leprosy because it disfigures the one who's been made in the image and likeness of God. Do you understand these things? Let me give you a quick example. I don't have time to go into detail. I wasn't going to go with this, but let me go with this because it ties in with this. I remember studying one time and I don't remember who it was that brought this out in their commentaries. But do you remember on two different occasions, Jesus spit for a person to be healed? Once it was in the mud and put it on, spit on the eye, and the other time it was a tongue. Now, you think to yourself, my God, how unsanitary. But now understand this. In both cases, he was dealing with his spirit. Now, I don't know how it is so much in our culture in this country, but even to this day in certain cultures, there is no more degrading action that you can do towards another than spitting 
and, and especially in ancient times, it was considered the most despicable. In fact, if you go back in the book of Exodus, you remember at one point when Miriam was acting up, Moses' sister. Uh, God told Moses, put her out of the camp for a certain number of days. I don't know if it was seven days, I think it was. And said to her, if, if she had done this to her father, her father would have spit on her. Or spit in her face. So when Jesus was dealing with that, he spit because he was showing that hatred for the spirit that was causing this condition on that individual. You, do you understand how much he hates disease? How much he hates sickness? How much he hates the devil who put that sickness and disease and introduced it into the world? Well, honestly, it was Adam and Eve that introduced it into the world. It was their fault that brought it into the world. Okay? He hates sickness. and I can't express this enough to you. He hates sickness and disease because sickness and disease was never supposed to be part of our original creation. Are you getting this? Okay? It's a result of the curse. And it's the curse that put Jesus on the cross. Okay? Are you getting this? Yes. Okay? So why are you emphasizing this? Because there are still some people who are religiously trained to think, okay... I guess God has wanted me to, to go through this because he wants to teach me something. No, it doesn't work that way. But, what, well, will you learn some things? Yeah. Yes, but God didn't put it on you for that to happen. It's only because he turns all things around and causes all things to work for the good to those who love him and are called by him, right? Don't mix those two things up. It's because of people mixing those things up that people will not get angry and fight against sickness. I was listening to Andrew Olmec one day. And you know, did you ever listen to somebody and all of a sudden they crystallize in a thought something that you have been, been, been putting together in your head? And he said this. He said, I've noticed, he said, in dealing with sickness, in dealing with the sick, especially cancer patients, that if they do not get angry at that disease they don't make it. Amen. You have to get angry. It's your enemy. It is your enemy. It is not your friend. That sickness is not your friend. It is your enemy. And you need to let the righteous indignation of God rise up on the inside of you to the point of, how dare you put that sickness on me? And it's not only cancer. It can be any kind of a disease. Get, what ends up happening many times is the person is sitting getting mad at the disease and get mad at God. Get, get, could you get mad at the answer instead of getting mad at the problem. Get angry. Angry will cause you to, to go against it. Angry will cause you to not tolerate and put up with it. Amen? Because if you tolerate that, you'll start thinking, well, then I guess this is just God's plan for my life. I lived so long and that's the end of it. No, no, that's not the way it is. So, it is not something that God uses to punish his people. It is not something God uses to teach us anything. It is never God's will for someone to be sick. If that was the case, listen to me closely, then Jesus was going against God's will when he healed people. Yes or no? If it's God's will for somebody to be sick, then what audacity does Jesus have to come along and take the sickness off the person? He's going against the will of his father. And we know that's not the case. Yes or no? Yes. All right. So we got this? Yes. All right. Well, I don't know if I'm convinced yet. But. <laughs> so since Jesus commanded us to go and heal the sick, we're going to look at many different ways. Well, not all of them, but most of the predominant ways starting tonight that healing was administered by Jesus, which carried into the early church. Because we know we're supposed to carry on his ministry, right? Why else are we here? Right. To carry on his ministry. Amen. And his ministry is made up of what? Preaching. You got to get quicker, guys. His ministry is made up of what? Preaching. So then if we're supposed to carry on his ministry, what should the church be doing? Preaching. Thank you. All right. So one of the most common ways to administer healing is through the laying on of hands. Okay. It's the most common way. And this is almost always the way that we pray for the sick because Jesus mentions this method in the Great Commission as it's recorded in Mark 15. We read it just before. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen. 
They'll recover. Okay, sometimes it's like this. Sometimes it's a process, but it's a recovery. Are we getting this? Okay, good. So, there is something therapeutic about human touch. I think we would all agree about that. Therapeutic means healing, restorative, curative. And it seems that we as humans respond very positively to touch, okay? We saw that. We've been, we've been reading Mark chapter 1, verse 40 a lot lately. And we see that definitely uh, come into play in that situation. You remember the leper comes to Jesus and uh, the leper kneels before him and pretty much is begging him and saying to him, I know you can do this if you're willing. And Jesus, you know the story. We've talked about it plenty of times. It says Jesus touched him and then spoke to the disease. He touched him and then spoke to the disease. And we talked about this at length. And we feel like the reason it took that, that, that form or that pattern is because Jesus recognized that this man needed emotional healing as much as he needed physical healing. In other words, there'd be no use of healing this man, his skin and his outward, if he wasn't also going to heal the man's emotional, um, his emotional pain. I mean, as a leper, he's not even supposed to be in the village. He's not even supposed to be this close to Jesus. It's a very humiliating situation to be in. The family would have abandoned him or, or, or at least couldn't, couldn't come near him. He probably hadn't sensed any or experienced any physical touch for years. And so Jesus, we see that whole pattern. You follow the pattern. Could somebody please shut that off? All right. We follow the pattern. Jesus touches and then speaks to the disease. You notice he didn't speak to the heartache. He touched him. And then he spoke to the disease. A lot of times we do that with people. They're emotionally distraught. We're not there. We text. You'll be okay. Oh, why don't you just need to get over this? You just need to move on. Do you have noticed those words never do anything? In fact, if anything, it's like pouring salt in the wound. But what happens when you, when you... And sometimes we don't do this. We're not there physically because we sense our own inadequacies. I don't know what to say. Sometimes the worst thing... You ever, you ever notice the stupid things that people say at funerals? People say stupid things at funerals. God needed it. When, when, uh, I forget who it was in my family. Uh, no, it was somebody in my family that was in construction business. God needed him to build something in heaven. The, the creator of the universe who spoke and the worlds became needed this guy to come and put a nail on a wall. None of it makes sense. Or oh, they're your angel now. Or, or, or they're, I love this one. Oh, they're, they're watching over. No, they're not. They're not even thinking about you. Heaven is beautiful. But because of our, our sense of inadequacy, we say dumb things when sometimes the best thing we could do is just go sit there and hold the person's hand. You catching this? Because you know that's part of healing also. That's part of healing also. So, now, there's a lot, the, the scriptures have a lot to say about the laying on of hands. It's not just for healing. I want you to understand that. It's not just for healing. Okay, in Genesis chapter 48, Jacob, Jacob blesses Joseph's sons by laying hands on them and then declaring blessing. Verse 14 of, of Genesis 48 says, Then Israel, Jacob, stretched out his hand and laid it on Ephraim's head. This is, this is the son of, of Joseph, who was the younger, and the left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. I don't want to go into that whole teaching. Okay, but we see here that he spoke blessing. And in verse 16, the angel has redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads. Let my name be named upon them and the name of my father Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. There's something about the laying on of hands. Okay, it's used to convey blessing. Jesus did the same thing. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. 
I thought while we're talking about laying on of hands, because, uh, you know, when I first came into a church like this 37 years ago, I was like, what is it with these peoples with hands? What is it with, they (laughs) raise their hands when they're worshiping, they raise their hands when they're praying, they put their hands on people when they're praying for them. It's like a big, hands, I noticed, hands are a big deal with Christians, you know? And then when I got into the scriptures, I realized this is, everything they did is hands. Gonna bless somebody, hands. Prophesy over them, hands. Uh, you're going to transfer sin onto something, hands. Okay, the high priest would transfer the sins of Israel on the scapegoat, okay, and let it go out into the wilderness, all right? Uh, a person receives a baptism of the Holy Spirit, how? Many times through the laying on of hands. Healing, laying on of hands. You got this? Okay. So, um, Jesus did the same thing. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Then they, the disciples, brought the little children to him. Uh, I'm sorry, the multitude brought the little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But Jesus saw it and he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as this little little child will by no means enter in. And he took them, verse 16, and he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them and blessed them. You see it? Do you see it? Okay, I'm going through this a lot because I know a lot of you come from very different backgrounds like I did. I wasn't raised in this kind of a church. We kept our hands to ourselves. <laughs> so healing takes place through the laying on of hands in the early church. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people and they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. That's in the temple in Jerusalem. The apostle Paul's sight was restored through the laying on of hands. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. After laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here it is. Watch this now. The laying on of hands was used, in this case, for Paul or Saul to regain his sight and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see it? There's something about hands. There's something about that touch. And it's not a sensual thing. It's not a physical thing. It is a spiritual principle. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lay hands on your children. Lay hands on your grandchildren. Pray over them. Prophesy over them. Speak the word of God over them. Okay, so the the most predominant way that people are going to receive healing is going to come through the laying on of hands. I don't know what it is with us, especially us charismatic type people, spiritual people. We've, we like laying on of hands. We like, you know, lay hands on me. Okay, sometimes I think we like laying on of hands too much because some people think, well, well just lay your hands on me, Pastor, my problem will go away. No, no, honey, everything doesn't work that way. You know, I can lay hands on you, pray for you. I could, I could pray blessing over you. I could pray for the grace of God. I could pray for the Holy Spirit to rise up in you. I could pray for those things, but... There's sometimes you need to make the changes in your life. Amen. Not going to happen through the We don't have magic wands. There's no spirit of Tinkerbell in the church. Okay? For Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell's his sister, her sister. Unusual night tonight. You hear what I'm saying? No, listen to me. We're laughing, but some people think that we have some kind of spiritual magical wand, just wave that wand over my head and my problems are going to go away. It doesn't happen that way, okay? And, and uh, I know we have a little bit of a, of a, of a more seasoned crowd here tonight, but uh, those of you that are raising children, you can't let them grow up like weeds and then at some point when they're 15 years old, you're going to take them over here to the church and say, Pastor, wave your... No, it doesn't work that way. You got to straighten the tree out when it's young. When it gets older, it's too late to straighten it out. You listening to me? Many, many, many. I'll just say this and I'll go on because I, I feel like we need to get rid of this just mentality in our head that we just wave our hands like, like Naaman. Oh, I thought you would come out of the house and wave your hand over me and everything would be okay. You remember Naaman the leper in the Old Testament? Okay. Uh, many years ago when the church first started, I was called to, I was invited to be, to be part of a meeting about sports in town. It was the first and last time I got involved in anything. Uh, At this meeting were various heads of different churches, and they invited us. I don't know why, but they did. 
So I went there, and there were uh, members of, of the sports leagues in the town. And they were talking about the problems they were having with teenagers. This, and I'm talking 20 years ago. Now, forget it. 20 years ago, you know, problems with drugs and problems with sexual promiscuity. And, so, and, and I said, look, you know, because I don't know if you noticed, I'm not the most diplomatic person. <laughs> and I had a lot of things to do back then. I didn't have a staff. I didn't have anybody. Everything was on me and my wife's shoulders, okay? So I said, um, time out, please. Uh, you you, you want to know what the problem is? And nobody, of course, answered because they really didn't want to know what the problem was. I said, the problem is on Sunday morning when the children should be in church, you have them playing soccer and football and, and hockey and all these other things. And then when they're, and I said that, then when they're 15, you bring them to the priest or you bring them to the rabbi or bring them to the minister and you expect us to wave a magic wand and then all of a sudden they're not going to be heroin addicts anymore. That was the last time I was invited to a meeting. I swear to God, it happened. So, again, the most common way that you and I are going to have the opportunity to minister healing or to receive healing most of the time is going to be through the laying on of hands. There's going to be a prayer line, or you're going to get together with somebody, or you'll meet with a friend, or something like that, because the Bible does tell us to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And we talked about this last Wednesday night. When I personally, when I pray for someone, uh, when I'm talking about disease or sickness or something like this, I will say, first of all, if I, if I don't know the person well, I'll say, listen, and the Bible tells us that when we pray for people that we're to lay our hands on them, do I have repetition? Can I lay my hands on your head? Sure. Most of the time. I can't think of any time when a person said no. Uh, yes. But, you know, you just don't want to be intrusive, like, boom. You know? So I'll say, is it okay for... Yes. Okay. And this is how I will pray. And I, I talked about this last week, but I want you to get this in you. Father, in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, before he left this earth, said that we, the church, believers, should lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, Lord, this person has come up here in faith. I'm laying hands on them in faith and in obedience to your word. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for healing power to flow or I, whatever. I just declare that by the stripes on Jesus' back, someone's always healed. We're trusting you for full manifestation. You see what I'm talking about? Yes. Easy, right? Amen. Why? Because we're not the healers. Amen. He's the healer. Amen. We just have the hands. He said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Okay? You got it? Easiest thing in the world, right? Good. And even if you only have one hand, all you need is one hand. So we could also administer healing through words. Now, I'm not talking about our words. I'm talking about the word, okay? But then there's times when, when we're kind of led by the Holy Spirit to maybe issue a command to a specific condition, okay? Because we're told to speak to a mountain, yes or no? I might be getting ahead of myself here, so let me, let me back off. So Jesus spoke and people were healed. Matthew chapter 9, we talked about recently. Um, uh, again, that, that man that was lowered by his four friends, Jesus spoke and said to him, I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, go home. Then the man got up and went home. Notice now, now he, Jesus was not quoting scripture from the Old Testament. He was not. He was speaking words, I call it commanding prayer. I think a lot of times we pray about a situation when we should be commanding it. In the name of Jesus, come off of this person. Okay, are you listening to me? I remember a situation that took place a number of years ago, and uh, honestly, I don't, I don't know why it ended up the way it did, because it did not end up good. Uh, a, a, a young lady came to this church, was brought here by somebody who was a part of the church, and they had just found out that they had stage four uh, cancer. And I don't remember where it was. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember exactly where it was. And it took place right there, right in front of that section of seats there. Uh, myself, my wife, this young lady, a friend of hers, and then her cousin. We were standing around this individual. And I have not ever experienced anything previous to that or since then. When I placed my hand, we all did. We all placed our hands on her. Uh, I don't even know if she was born, born again yet. I don't even know if she was saved yet. I'm, I think she was by the time she walked out of here. But it literally felt like, I don't know how else to explain it to you, but when we laid hands on her, 
okay? It was like we were all caught in a whirlwind. It was, you could just feel the power of God. I thought, oh, my God, I thought, we're going up. This is it. We're going. And, and I said to one of the other people, this person's cousin, I said, oh, my God, do you? She goes, I have never felt anything like this before in my life. Just the power of, it was literally, you could feel like it was swirling around us and swirling around us. And at some point, I just, I cursed the sickness. I cursed the disease. I commanded it to come off of her in the name of Jesus. It was an amazing spiritual experience. It was just like, this is so real. I was expecting fire to come next. Okay? Uh, I don't know why it happens like that sometimes and why it doesn't. It happened one other time like that, not associated to healing, but praying for a woman. uh, You might even be here. I don't know. Praying for a woman to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was like all of a sudden the two of us were not in this realm. It was, and I could feel this. And man, she started speaking in tongues and took off with it. I was like, dear God, why can't it all happen like this all the time? I didn't even get baptized in the Holy Spirit like that. It was one of those things. These are spiritual things. My point is this. We, I'm getting ahead of myself. We have got to step out in faith, knowing that we're walking in obedience to the word. Because when we do what he said to do, he'll do what he said he will do. You listening? You got that. When we'll step out on what he said to do, he will do what he said he'll do. Okay? It's, it's cooperating. It's co- this whole thing is always cooperating. Okay? Well, why doesn't God just take matters into his own hands? There are sometimes he does, but it's not that common. Those are called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, you still got to cooperate with that, and we'll talk about that. I'll do a series on that, I promise you, in the next few months, okay? Because many people expect to receive that way But what we're called to do mainly as believers is to receive by faith, whether it's faith through the laying on of hands, whether it's faith of me speaking the word of God over, or you speaking the word of God over somebody's life. It's, and words are powerful. Are you listening to, listen, listen, words are powerful. Are you understanding this? Especially, especially when we're speaking, or I should say it's, 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 almost restricted to when we're speaking the word itself or when we're speaking something that the Holy Spirit has given us to say over an individual, okay? Many, many years ago, we were in another church, and Pastor Beth knows what church I'm referring to, uh, way before I went to Bible school. On Friday nights, um, man, it's like story, story night tonight. Uh, on Friday nights, we used, to, we used to participate in a program called Victory in Jesus. Okay, you listening? Okay, and so what we were mainly ministering to is people that were coming, like uh, they were in halfway houses that were either coming out of jail or coming out of rehabs or something like this. So it was a colorful crowd on a Friday night. You never really knew what to expect, okay? Uh, you remember, okay? And um, this one particular night, I had the opportunity to minister there. And it was, uh, man, it was, I would go there like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing, all this, you know, how you would do if you had to come up here? Okay. <laughs> So, so I was, man, I would throw myself, God, I, I'm, if, if, if you don't do something tonight, I'm going to make a complete fool of myself. If you don't come through, these people are going to go home empty. I'm just, Holy Spirit, I'm so dependent on you. I'm just, please, please do something. Okay, one of those things, right? So at the end of the service, we would always have the opportunity for people to come up for prayer. Okay? Now, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing I had enough guts to know I'm supposed to lay hands on people and then pray for them. So I'm laying hands on a bunch of people and I come to this person, never seen her before. Young lady. But I just got the sense. I don't even know how to say it. I just got the sense this young lady has had a really rough life. And as soon as I stood in front of her, I'm talking about, I'm talking about being led by the Spirit to say the things that the Spirit puts on your heart. And thank God, most of the time when he does that, you don't know he's doing it until after you said it. You understand what I'm saying? So as soon as I put my hand on this young lady, out of my mouth comes, it's not your fault. In fact, it happened this Sunday in one of the services, the same thing, and I thought, oh my God, it took me right back to that. I kept, well, I kept saying, it's not your fault. Not, as soon as I said, not your fault, the, I, and she was a big, you know, big lady, okay? And, and all of a sudden, just... 
She looks hard. She looked like she wanted to rip your head off. And all, as, soon as, I, as soon as I said, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, oh, my God, she just burst out crying like a fire sprinkler, just tears just shooting out and blah, blah, blah. And I just couldn't say anything else. It's not your fault. It's not, and I start crying. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Well, after the service, we found out that this young lady um, uh, had a younger sister who she, she made herself available to be raped by a group of men so that they wouldn't touch the sister, but they ended up killing the sister right in front of her anyway. And talk about traumatized. And the Spirit of God knew exactly what she needed to hear because she'd been carrying this weight around that she, did so, she handled it wrong, she did something wrong, she wasn't there to defend her sister, but those words just broke everything down in her life. The tears that were coming forth, it was unbelievable. So, so a lot of times, you just got to be led by the Spirit when it comes to these kind of things. Because you don't know, you know, you may meet somebody uh, on the street or meet somebody in your neighborhood. It could be somebody you think you know for years. You don't know what's going on in your life, in their life, and then you get the opportunity to pray. You've got to hear from the Holy Spirit on the inside. Well, Pastor, that's you. No, no, honey, listen, it's not because I'm the pastor. Okay? You're a believer. You have the Spirit of God in you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. You need to confess that over your life. I am one of Jesus' sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger. I'm not following the voice of a stranger. I'm following the voice of the good shepherd. Jesus said that about you. Don't you repeat what the devil's trying to get you to believe. My mother had that habit. She used to say, oh, I, I never hear from God. I never hear from God. Guess what? You never hear from God. Because even if he's talking to you, you're already convinced it's, it's you or it's just your imagination or all these other things. I know somebody's in here has been doing that. Somebody in here has been saying, oh, I never hear from God. I never hear from God. Well, keep saying that. You're never going to hear from God. You say, the, you say what Jesus said. Never mind what your mind says. So, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13, and Luke chapter 7, verse 1 through 10. You remember the story about the centurion and his servant, right? The centurion's servant was healed because he said to Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. Just speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus said, I've not seen such great faith like this in all of Israel. This man was a Gentile. This man wasn't even a Jew. At that point, he didn't have any connection to the covenant of God. But he knew this much. This man gets results in his, in his ministry. He says, be healed, they're healed. He said, and he compared it to his own life. He said, I'm a person in authority also. I say, go, and they go. I say, come, and they come. You got that? Why was, why was that included in the sacred scriptures? Because if a man who was, who was a Gentile that didn't have a connection to God understood his authority, how much more us that we're in covenant with God, we're children of the Most High, he shed his blood for us, he gave us his name, he gave us the authority to use his word, Amen. use that authority. Amen. Amen. Stop, stop, stop putting yourself in a position of like this lowliness, this, I hate that, just a weak old worm in the dust. Get out of my way, I'm not no worm. Amen. Jesus didn't die for a little weak old worm in the dust. Jesus died for somebody who was going to take his ministry and run with it. And you can't do that without authority. Not in my, our authority is not in us. We know without him we could do nothing. But I can do all things through. You listening? Luke chapter 13, verse 11. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. A spirit of infirmity. A spirit of infirmity. In other words, there's a demon that's attached itself to this woman that's causing an illness. I don't want to go into this a lot, but a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times people go to the doctor. We think we ran all the tests. We did everything. We don't know what's going on, but the person's still sick. Well, guess what? Then maybe it's not a natural problem. Maybe it's a spiritual problem. And Jesus perceived that this woman was under this kind of spiritual oppression. Because you remember what Acts chapter 10, verse 38 said? That Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. This woman is in that category. She's oppressed by the devil. She had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Eight, and bent over and could no way, 18 years this woman's picking up pennies. 18 years she's staring at her shoes. 
18 years. And isn't it a shame? She's in the synagogue. And nobody in the synagogue, even though they were in covenant with God, not one person in the synagogue ever one day said, be healed. Not one person ever prayed for her. Not one person ever did anything. And here comes Jesus comes along. And he says, observe this woman. Spirit of her 18, you're bent over. No way could raise herself. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So again, here we have a combination. Remember? Okay, Jesus touched the leper and then he spoke to the disease. Jesus spoke to this woman. Then he laid hands on her. What happened? She got healed immediately. Amen. And all the religious people got mad because he performed this miracle on the Sabbath. So, we see the pattern also in the apostles' lives. Acts chapter 3. Are you getting this? Because yes. I'm, not, I'm not just wanting to read through scriptures. I'm wanting you to understand, okay, especially now, okay? These were common men, common individuals. These were not, this is not Jesus now doing the, doing the works. It's the apostles. Jesus, by this point, is already seated in heaven, amen? amen? It's the apostles that are carrying on the ministry. Well, they were the apostles. They were men. They were women. They were regular people just like you and I, but they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you recognize that? Do you understand that Jesus walked on this earth the same way? Do you realize that Jesus walked on this earth the same? You realize Jesus did not walk on this earth as God? Jesus walked on this earth as man. Was he God? Absolutely. Is he still God? Absolutely. Always will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But on this earth? How do we know that? Because he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, they shall do also, and greater works shall they do. Now, if he's God... You and I can't do those works. You're not getting this. If he operated as God on the earth, then he was lying to us when he said we could do the same things. But if he's operating on the earth as a man, anointed by the Holy Ghost, we can do that. You agree? We can do that, okay? So, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's room, in other words, never, has never walked, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms, begging those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. He's, that's what his job is. This is what he can do. Up until this point, that's all he can do. He's asked for money. He's begging. Verse 4, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them attention. He's expecting, man, this guy's got big money for me. Expecting to receive something. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He received strength. You getting this? But Peter had to speak out. Peter had to speak out. Not only did Peter have to speak out, but the man who's lame had to cooperate. Now imagine if he would have said, no, 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 don't, don't touch me. You might make it worse. Would he have received this healing? No. No. But who did this? Was Jesus there that day? No. Well, Jesus was there in the person of Peter and John, but, but Jesus is not there physically. Now, when you go someplace, if you go to the hospital to go pray for your friend or loved one, is Jesus going there? Well, Jesus, in the form of who you are, is going there. Jesus in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is going there. Okay? But you have to cooperate, right? You got to go there. You got to have the courage. And, and you know, it's, it's not easy to go, especially when, I think it's easier to go, with a, to, go to pray for a stranger than it is to pray for a family member. Right? Because they, they don't look at you like, you know. I remember one time one of my aunts was really sick. And my other aunt, who was a believer, we happened to be over the house. And for whatever reason, I don't know what it was. My other aunt, who was a believer, went home to be with the Lord two years ago. She said to her sister, why don't you let Joe pray for you? Okay. 
And my, my aunt, who was six, said, what do I need him to pray for me for? Who is, who is he? Oh, why? Because it's your family. Jesus said a man's never without honor except among his... Okay. But now when you go in a room and it's a stranger and they're suffering, they don't care what you look like. You come in there bald, pink-headed, any kind of whatever, one eye, whatever. They don't care who you are. They're suffering. They don't know you. They don't know who you used to be. There's not that familiarity. You understand what I'm saying? They're, they're, come and pray for me. Come and pray for me. Amen? So we need courage, right? So what's our courage based on when we go to pray? Faith, confidence, trust, knowing that we're, we're walking in obedience. You see, it's all tied into obedience. We say, well, yeah, I'm believing God. Yeah, I'm a man of faith. Man of, no, I, I see your faith by your obedience. I see your faith by your obedience. Words are cheap unless they're backed up by obedience. You getting this? Okay. You say we believe in God. The Bible says even the devil believes. But there's no obedience. If the devil was obedient, he wouldn't be the devil. Right? He'd still be Lucifer. He'd still be lighting up heaven. You getting this? So we can use our words to release healing power when we speak them in Jesus' name. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. We use our words to release healing power. And when Jesus healed that centurion servant, he was fulfilling Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and that centurion servant was healed. Okay? Pastor Beth, I'm gonna... Share what, we, what you shared about, about healing last week, if you don't mind, okay? Pastor Beth and I were having a conversation, and she couldn't wait to share this, this what she had received as, as by revelation, or I could really say really more illumination in the word. It wasn't something she didn't know. It was just a, the way of putting it into the perspective of healing. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8 and 9, tells us that we, for by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a works lest anyone should boast, okay? So what she said, the revelation she had, or the illumination in the word, or, or received the leading from the Holy Spirit to pray a certain way, that I've been healed by God's grace, and I receive healing by faith. I have been provided for by God's grace, and I receive provision by faith. And you can do that for any area of your life, okay? Because the original principle is that we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves. By grace, we've been saved. Amen? Amen. Through faith. Amen. So I can say I've been healed by faith. Amen. I received provision by faith. Am I saying it right? Yeah. Okay. So, so we can take those things. Why? Because principles in the word of God always work. So healing can be received by faith. And uh, I, I think if I can step back for a second. It's, it's great that we can have hands laid on us, right? It's great that we can have somebody speak the word over us. But I truly believe with all my heart, and, and we're going to kind of wrap this up at this point. I don't think I'm going to get through everything tonight. We could, we could say with all confidence, at least I feel this way, that I think the way that honors God the most is when we receive our healing ourselves by faith, just trusting him, trusting in his promises. Now, we're here for one another. We're told that we're supposed to pray for one another. We're supposed to carry each other's burdens. That's wonderful, okay? But I still believe that the greatest way that honors God is when we just say in ourselves, he said, I'm healed. I am trusting him that I'm healed. Father, I receive your promise. I declare that by the stripes on Jesus' back, I'm healed. It's a done deal. It was done 2,000 years ago on the cross. When, that cross. when Jesus took upon himself all of my sickness, all of my disease, all my shame, all my sin, all my reproach, and by his stripes, I am healed. I think that's the number one way that really honors God, when there's nobody else involved. Amen? Again, think about that centurion. He took Jesus at his word. He said, just, just speak the word. Okay. 
and, and, and it says that he marveled. So it's a two-faith action step. Just like Pastor Beth declaring that over herself, okay? That centurion declaring that. That if Jesus just spoke the word, a servant would be healed. She's saved. Her, her, her confession, her statement of faith, her declaration of faith is, not only have I been saved by grace, I'm healed by grace. Amen. Through faith. Because that's how grace is made available to us. Right? Yes. By faith. We, we, we release our faith. He releases his grace. Do you see how it cooperates together? Are, are you guys really getting it, or you just want me to be, or you just want me to be done? Okay? Now, he took an action step. Faith is released through words and action. Are you listening to me? Don't overlook this. Faith is released by words and action. The woman, the woman that bled for 12 years, she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. But she didn't sit in her living room. She said, and then she took action. She went to where he was, and she physically took hold. Now, now Jesus did not determine how that woman was going to be healed. She determined how she was going to be healed. Now, I'm not saying she did that intentionally. She kind of fell into it. But the centurion here, okay, let me read it to you from, from this, this. All right, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy. You should come to, under my roof, but only speak the word. My servant will be healed. For I also, blah, blah, blah. Verse 10, when Jesus heard, he marveled and said to those who followed, surely I say to him, not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. So, so the, centurion, the centurion declared by faith, you don't need to come to my house. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus goes, you got it, buddy. Just as you said, it's going to be done unto you. But watch this now. Then Jesus said to him, go home. Your servant's healed. And so the next action step of the centurion was what? He went home. He went home. Now, some of us, because nobody in here, some of us, when he said that, we might have went, okay, and just stood there. Like, I'll wait till they call me and tell me that he's healed. You, are you following me here? I'm not stretching this, okay? This, this is a principle. Okay, Jesus said, go your way. Your servant's healed. Just as you said it, your servant's healed. Now, if the man would have stood there and went. Would his servant have been healed? Because his, his statement of faith and confidence in Jesus Christ was what? He took it. He went. He left. He left. And it says, and his servant was healed that very hour. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you've got to take action. No, I don't say sometimes. Every time you've got to take action. When we take action in faith, God honors that. That pleases him. He's like, he, he nudges one of the angels and goes, look, look. Look, look what my child's doing there. Look, look. They got out of bed. They went to work. They came to church. They were in pain. Back was killing them. Aches and pains and headaches and everything. But look, they got up. They came to church. They went to work. They cooked a meal for themselves. You hear what I'm saying? They did something. Because if we truly believe we're healed, then what should we do? We should act like we're healed. You see what I'm now? I'm not saying like you have open heart surgery and then 30 minutes later you want to get out of bed. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? If the devil can keep you in bed with a toothache, you'll have a toothache every day. Sometimes you just got to get up. You got to suck it up and just move on. Okay, so so far we got. Can you give me a couple more minutes? All right, I'll go over the next ones really quick. 
So we got so far, we got laying out of hands, speaking the word, either over yourself or somebody else, and then just receiving by faith, right? Yes. Just you said it, I believe it, that's it, it's done. That's right. right? Yeah. Sounds real simple, doesn't it? Yeah. It is. If you determine in your heart, this is what you're going to do. Okay? It's what you're going to do. All right? I'm telling you, why, why do we need all of these different options? Because every day, we got something else coming against humanity. I think there was another variant that was released called stupidity. <laughs> that there's no vaccine for. And it's affecting multitudes of millions. It's the stupid variant. Makes people stupid. Because I don't know about you, but I've seen a whole lot of people go stupid in the past, past year. Okay? So I suspect there's another one out there that nobody's talking about yet. And we need to be geared up for these things. Okay? Because we have got to stand in faith. We have got to stand in faith. If the church collapses, the rest of the world is finished. We got to stay strong. Until Jesus, until that trumpet calls, you and I have got to stay strong. We got to stay strong physically. We got to stay strong emotionally. But we certainly got to stay strong spiritually. We are the salt that's preserving everything. You listening to me? So, another way of receiving that, we don't do this too often. I don't know. Some, some churches, they, they buy oil by the gallon. Um, James 5.13, is anyone among you? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. How many of you here got commissioned last week, last Wednesday night, as an elder in the church? You, you, most of you forgot about it already. Okay. All right. Uh, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if he has committed any sins, he'll be forgiven. Okay, so, so the key here, this one here, is honestly a combination of things. It's anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, so we're using the authority of the name of Jesus. We're using oil because it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing magic about the oil. How many of you know there's nothing magic about the oil? Well, do you use olive oil? Do you use Crisco? Do you use... And the prayer of faith. Uh, we'll have to talk about that another time. There's not enough time to talk about that. But it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. The oil is just a representation. Amen. Amen. But it is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Now, here again is the interaction of relationship. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So we can get healed by confessing our sins. We can get healed, okay, by, by having that kind of interactive love relationship that I love my brother, I love my sister. Amen? And that, we don't have to go any further with that. So anointing oil is used as symbolic. And then um, I'm going to skip over to prayer of faith because we're going to talk about that in the future. Now, finally, um, how many of you have seen us here when we pray over cloths and handkerchiefs and stuff? How many, come on, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Okay. And, and I always go through, uh, I go to, at length to explain that process because many of us come from backgrounds with a lot of superstition. Okay. Um, if you come from a Catholic background like I, you do, you, I, I have, you know that there's a lot of man-made uh, things that are included in, in what we thought was real, and it was just a bunch of superstition. If you come from a Latino background, you probably have some exposure to some other stuff that was involved if you were a Catholic and, and uh, stuff, you know, with the Santeria and stuff like that. So um, I, don't, I always make sure that we explain from the scriptures what this whole thing with the prayer clause. Do we have any yet? Any prayer cloths? Is there anything in there? No. Does anybody have a handkerchief here? Yes. Preferably a clean one. <laughs> oh, you got one there? Oh, I, I got it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Beat you to it, Pam. So we, we keep these. We got to get a bunch. Okay. We came across this principle in the Word of God. Uh, I've seen it work time after time after time. Where we pray over cloths and those cloths are brought to those that are sick, too sick to come or too far away. And we have seen this work, okay? Now, again, there's nothing magical about the cloth. 
It's just a way of transferring the presence of God or the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So, let me give you the scriptures for this. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. I want you to follow me because I don't want anybody walking out here going, oh, that church is crazy. They do things with cloths and they're, they're, they're magic cloths and magic beans and everything else. Now, God worked unusual miracles. It's unusual miracles. So it means that it's not something you do all the time. It's not something Paul did all the time, but he did do it. Okay? And God honored it. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. You, you catching this? Okay? So when we pray over these cloths, they're cotton and they stay cotton. It's a handkerchief and it remains a handkerchief. But it's the faith that we attach to, to the fact that if God, who is no respecter of persons, if he did this through the Apostle Paul, and it's included in sacred scripture for us, that we could take a step of faith and say, okay, we'll do the same thing. And so we'll have times when, when I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading us or somebody else might feel like the Holy Spirit's leading that direction where we'll, in the service times or any time, even, even if a bunch of us are together, and we'll just lay hands on these cloths and, Father, in the name of Jesus, what you did through the Apostle Paul, we pray, Father, that you'll honor our faith and that you'll cause the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, to reside in these cloths so that when they come in contact with the sick or those that are being oppressed of the enemy, that they will be healed and they'll experience relief. Now remember, let's go back to a story we talked about before, an incident in Jesus' ministry. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, what did she say? If I could just touch the hem of his garment. Now there was nothing magical about Jesus' hem. Okay, there's not a shrine in Israel or in Rome or someplace that has that hem there. You know, that little, honestly, it was the fringe, the little tzitzim, the tassels on, on his robe that she's talking about, which represented the word of God. It's a whole nother teaching, okay? Um, it was just cloth. But she said, her faith was, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. Our faith is, Father, for this person who's either too far away or too sick, can't get them here, okay? Father, we're extending our faith that the presence of your Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is gonna reside on this cloth and when it comes in contact with that person that's sick, we did a lot of this, especially in the early COVID days when people, nobody could get to the hospital. Maybe, you know, somebody slipped a 20 to the nurse and said, put this handkerchief under their pillow and stuff like this. You understand what I'm saying? It's a method, okay? You say, well, that's only one time in the Old Testament. Well, no, the Gospels touch the hem of the garment. But let's go back to the Old Testament, okay? Second Kings chapter 13. Elisha, the prophet, who was mentored by Elijah, the prophet, okay? Uh, when Elijah was taken up to heaven, he asked Elisha, what, what's your desire to receive before I go? And he said, I pray that I would have a double portion of the spirit that's on you. In other words, he wanted to double the anointing that was on Elijah. That was a big deal because Elijah did some awesome stuff. <laughs> Okay, And so he said to Elisha, if you see me when I depart, then you know that you have the double portion of anointing. And he did. He saw Elijah depart, took Elijah's robe that had fallen down to him, wrapped it up, struck the river, the river parted, and he went back on the other side. And everybody knew the anointing of Elijah is resting on Elisha. So at the end of Elisha's life, he, he had one miracle short to be double the amount of miracles that Elijah did. But it happened after he died, okay? Elisha dies. They bury him. He's in a tomb. Years later, here's what, then Elisha died and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of that year. These are outsiders. These are not Jews. And they're bandits, okay? And so it was as they were burying a, a man, somebody who died. Suddenly, they spied the band of raiders. They were afraid for their lives. And they're like, we got to get rid of this, this, this dead body. And they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. What happened? 
the anointing that was on Elisha's life resided in his bones. And when the dead man touched the bones of the prophet, came back to life. Same principle. Same principle. You getting this? Nothing mystical, nothing magic, but it's effective. Effective. So, Let's review a little bit, and then we're done. I'm sorry I took a few extra minutes here, but I think we, I think we received something tonight. Laying on of hands, the spoken word, receiving by faith, praying in faith, which we didn't cover tonight, but that's the prayer of faith, the Mark chapter 11. We'll talk about it. Anointing with oil and prayer cloths. Now, next week, what we're going to talk about is this. And if there's anybody here tonight that you want prayer for healing tonight, I'm going to be very brief, and then you come up here, and we'll pray for you. Our prayer team will be up here. We'll pray for you, okay? Now, next week, we're going to talk about the hindrances to healing because I'm sure I would be doing the same thing and have been even as I'm talking here. You know, that special experience I told you we had with this feeling like this, the power of the spirit was just whirling around us. She died two years later. And I'm like, I don't understand this at all. I have never experienced, I mean, she was okay for a little while, but then within two years or two and a half years, she passed away. I don't know why. When we get to heaven, I want to ask. I don't know if he's going to tell me because that was one of the most unusual experiences I've ever had in ministering to the sick, okay? Yet I've had others where you lay hands on somebody, you don't feel anything. They go to doctors and the doctor can't find anything. So it can't go by experiences, you know what I'm saying? It can't be like that. So we're going to talk about hindrances because, again, every one of us knows somebody that was prayed for or was believing, and they, and, they, and they didn't make it, and we want to know why. So we're going to talk about those things next week, okay? And then we'll probably wrap up the series after that. That good?